heart to love and to recognize the seasons and the times that we are in. So, Father, I pray now for every person here, everybody listening to my voice, Lord, speak to our hearts. In Jesus' precious and mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. Am I on? Yeah. Yes. Fantastic. It's great to have breakthrough, one after the other. Um, What I felt the Lord was saying to me is I was just focusing on Him in the worship and just meditating on Him. And uh, what I felt the Lord is saying is that things are going to really speed up now. Things are going to start. How many people think that time has sped up? Physically, it has. Scientists are now saying that that time has seemed to have sped up into a, 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 into a place where we've never been before. And uh, the scripture says that unless these times were shortened that no flesh would survive. And uh, the Bible, as I said last week, speaks in 150 chapters more about the end days than it does about the life and the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's 89 chapters from the book of Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John. There's 89 chapters. But God is trying to get our attention to the end times, because we're an end time generation. Folks, I'm going to keep going on and on and on about this, because we are an end time generation. It's our generation that will see the coming of the Lord. And this is what we have to do. We have to be that voice in the wilderness saying, prepare your way for the Lord, because he is returning. And he isn't going to come for a downtrodden bride, a downtrodden, miserable, backs against the walls, fighting against it. He is going to come back for a victorious bride that will go through these times and we will not... Remember... Um, the three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're in the fire. Have a look at that scripture because it is prophetic to our day. How many times was the heat of the furnace heated up? Seven times. Seven times. We are living in the seventh day. We are living in the seventh church age. We are living about to go into the last seven years when the heat gets turned up. But look what happens to those guys that were not prepared to compromise. They weren't prepared to take a step back. They said, we will not worship you. Chuck him in. King, oh king, I thought you said there were three in there. There is, but I see a fourth walking among them. Jesus will walk with us through the darkest time that this earth has ever seen. I am seeing the Lord come into places now on a more frequent basis than I've ever seen before. And we are living at a pivotal time. Just turn with me to Isaiah 24. This is where we're at. This is where the the rubber meets the road. 
Isaiah 24, verse 1. Behold, the Lord makes the earth empty and makes it a waste, distorts its surface and scatters abroad its inhabitants. And then we go down to verse 5. The earth is also defiled under its inhabitants because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance and broken the everlasting covenant. That is where we are as a nation. We have changed the laws of God to human laws. We have changed the ordinance of God to say, yep, God made us as man and woman, but it's all right for man and man and woman and woman. No, that's against the ordinance of God. We have changed the everlasting covenant that God made through, especially through the blood of Jesus, an everlasting covenant that the world is saying we don't want anything to do with it. We want nothing to do with you, which is what leads us into Psalm 2. The kings of the earth, the government, saying, basically, sticking their fingers up at God and saying, we don't need you. We don't want you. We want nothing to do with you. And God laughs at them, as God is laughing at them now. Because they're saying, oh, we don't need you. But God is saying, hang on a sec, guys. Do you know who I am? I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am the great I am. And it's us that just responds to that with such love for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's what he's looking for in a time that we turn around and respond in Isaiah 44. Turn to Isaiah 44. I want to show you exactly where we're at. And I know, I know many of you know these scriptures. Isaiah 44. When you have two old ladies up in the Hebridean Islands, on the Isle of Lewis, the Isle of Harris, the Isle of Skye, and these two old ladies who are 84 years old and 82 years old, Penny and Christine, one is completely blind, the other one is completely bound over with arthritis, cannot stand up straight, cannot get to church, but know that God is about to pour his spirit on all flesh. They live in a little, little shack, and all they are doing is interceding before the King of Kings. Two old ladies. The King of Kings listens to this cry from their hearts. This is what they were praying in 1948. I will pour out the waters on him who was thirsty, and the floods on the dry ground. They were crying out, saying, and recognizing the state of the people of their islands, saying, they are dry. Father, only you can pour your water on this dry ground. Only you can set us free, Father. Only you can do this. this. And this is what the Lord responds with. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessings on your offspring. Who is their offspring? Trump. These two old ladies, they're praying this, and he says, I will pour out my blessings on your offspring. Their offspring, because they're the great aunts of President Trump. These two old ladies. Isn't that incredible? That scripture is being outpoured in our time and fulfilled. Completely. It, It turns out that Trump has, well, he has now, you know, he has on a regular basis... Some people that we would know that are on national television giving him counsel. Counsel from people who are here in the heart of God. 
It's incredible for a nation and for nations. But what happens if our cry is now reaching the heavens? And that we see a Joel 2 response to that cry. Because we have one chance and one chance only to get this right. And let me tell you, when you have a look at the world revival, that's why I said yesterday, when you have a look at the world revival, the world revival lasted how long? Nine months. Nine months where it touched people around the world. In the Azusa Street and the Seymour, he was in direct correspondence with Evan Roberts in 1907. In they were in direct correspondence saying, what is God doing? And then we see Azusa Street break out because of the world's revival. But it should have gone further. It should have gone a lot further and not just touched 150,000 people. It should have touched a nation. So you must know and study the Welch Revival and see where it went wrong. Because it was designed to touch the whole of the United Nation, uh, United Kingdom. But it only touched, you know, one and a half, 150,000 people in, in, in Wales. But it actually touched over one and a half million people around the world. So what happens if God is hearing our voice now? You know, show me ten righteous. Well, there's how many of us in here? I don't know, 35, 36, I don't know. 150, 120? I see 5,000. No. No, but, but, you know, as I keep saying, you know, I had that vision where I was out walking my dog and I'm suddenly in this thing. And I'm just seeing myself stand on a, on, a, on, a, on a platform with all these lights, with thousands of people before me. And I scream out from the bottom of my spirit... No, Lord, I do not want an audience of 5,000. I want an audience with one. I want to hear your heart. I don't want to have the accolade of this and the accolade of that. Because God wants to test our spirits. Who are we for? Who are we we fighting for? We're fighting for him. We're fighting for his name to be raised up across across this land. And I'm tired. I am tired of seeing the compromise that is happening in the church. And I'm talking, I'm not talking about any other Anglican, whatever. I'm talking about the charismatic church. Let me tell you where the fires are at. I got up here four or five weeks ago and I said, God is, and I saw God throwing down thunderbolts of fire. And it's, it's on record. And then we have seen the outbreak of forest fires like never before. Look in Redding, California. Bethel Church has been affected by this. Now, you can see it one of two things. You can see it it's one of two ways. Maybe it's God's judgment. Maybe it's God trying to correct and realign. Because more people have been affected by Bethel, you know, and uh, all of the, the, you know, the great things that have come out of there. But not one person, not any institution has got the answer. Right. Yeah, you know, not one church. And, and, and I feel they've gone astray. I feel they've they've got off the path that God wants them to be on. They've taught a generation, which is all great, it's fantastic, to be signs and wonders and getting out in the streets. And that's all great. It's got its place. But it cannot be the be-all and the end-all. I want to be in love with him and him only. I want to be driven out of what he tells me to do, not what I feel I've got to do. I won't be forced out into the streets until I hear it from the Lord. 
Because I want to be sanctified within. I want to be ready within. Because when this hits us, when this hits us, it will hit every part of our soul and every part of our spirit. Look at Jesus when he was tempted in the desert. Look at what he did. What happened when you look at Luke 4. Jesus came out of that whole encounter for those days and nights where he was fasting and praying and being tempted by the devil. Look what happens when it describes in Luke 4 that he came out with all power. All power. And you have a look at the men and women of God. Now listen to me. Because you're going to have to keep me in check. And I'm going to have to keep you in check. Because when we get the all power from the almighty and we have an audience of one, we can go, Yahoo, look at me, folks. I am so anointed with God. God is doing and I'm, God is with me and God is doing this and God is doing that. And we build up a huge ministry. And we forget about him. That has happened. You look at every revival. That has happened time and time and time and time and time again with all these great revivals that have happened in our lifetime, folks. With Jack Cohn, going down to Catherine Kuhlman, William Branham, A.A. Allen. I think A.A. Allen stayed on the road. I think he was one of the, the ones that really stayed focused on the Lord. But when this hits us, We've got to remain humble. We've got to do 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. The danger is that people like us can start to idolise the move of God on a person. Yeah. It's us often who cause those people to fall. Yeah. So the ownership is very much on us to pray for them and not to idolise them. We can't. We, yeah, William Branham, I, I've read it. I've been there. I've, I've done the research for year after year after year. I've studied it. But William Branham begged the people to stop calling him Elijah Restored. Begged them. Said, please, stop calling me Elijah Restored. Otherwise, the Lord's going to take me. And within a year, the Lord had taken him. And he begged the people to stop calling him. Alexandra Dowie who had carried one of the greatest anointings, actually signed his name as Elijah Restored because the people were calling him Elijah Restored. But we have the spirit of Elijah that will be restored on a generation. And we have got to humble ourselves and cry out to our God and say, Lord, have mercy on us. When my people humble themselves. We've got to remain in that place of humbleness. And humble and hum, and then humble again. Mm-hmm. Now I'm big and bold. I'm big and brash. That's just my personality. I've never backed away from a fight. Both good and bad. But we're in a fight now. And I'm not going to back away. I've stood against men. You know, I, I, playing rugby you know, for all those years. I've stood against men that are more powerful. More, but... You're not having me. It's a mindset. You're not having me. It's a mindset because I am his. I am his. I'm going to boast in him and him alone because I'm in love. I do not want to be known as a pastor. I do not want to be known as an evangelist. I don't want to be a known person that works in signs and wonders. I want to be Andy Tiplady who's known as a passionate lover of Jesus. 
And that's the way that we've got to be. That's where my feet are going to be grounded. It's going to be grounded in the foundation that's called Jesus. Nothing more. And you keep me in that. You keep me in that. And I will keep you in that. Because this is not about ministry. This is about the King of Kings. This is about the King of Kings. I'm deadly serious because I'll tell you what's going to happen. We're going to have breakthrough. We are going to have breakthrough like we have never seen before. And the breakthrough has already started. People are seeing that. Sarah saw it. We're into something. We're into something for the United Kingdom. But we've got to remain humble. We've got to remain humble. You know, it's not, and, and I'm telling you, it's not going to be me doing it. We're going to be doing it. We're going to be doing it. When we love on him with all of our hearts. We lean not on our understanding, but we acknowledge him in all of our ways. He is our instigator. He is our perfecter of everything that we do. Nothing more, nothing less. I have had an attack on me this week like I've never known before. It just seems to get stronger and stronger where I'm feeling like a rotten dad. I'm feeling like a rotten husband. You know, I'm not getting this right. I'm not getting that right. And then suddenly I'm into something in an area that I don't really want to be in. Saying, oh Lord, they would be better without me. Josh would be better without me being miserable or whatever. You know, my wife would be better without me. Who's saying that? It's Satan. It's Satan putting that on me. And I recognize where it's coming from. It's Satan saying these things. Oh, they'd be better there, you know. And it's a subtle voice. But you know what? Do you know why? Because we're on something. We're into something. And the heat gets turned up. But the only thing that I know to cling on to is him. He is the only only refuge that we have. The one... The one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I may seek. That I may gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. That's got to be our desire. More than ministry. I am tired of ministry and seeing ministry. There are great ministries out there, without a shadow of a doubt. Great ministries. But you know what? I want to get up close and personal with him. Lord, show me your ways so I may know you. Know you with every part of me going after him. And it starts where? In your prayer life. That's where it starts. That's like the, you know, you've got to put your key in the ignition. You've got to turn it on. That's your prayer life. I'm just copying. But it's true, folks, because of what is coming. What is coming? I spoke a little bit, yes, last week about the four frame time frames that we're in. I spoke about the first one, which is Matthew, uh, which is um, Matthew 24. It talks about when you see the vine tree, the fig tree, sorry, the fig tree putting forth its roots, talking about the establishment of Israel in 1948, 1967. You know, it's the establishing of Israel. They have gone through 70 years of putting forth their roots into the ground, putting through their harvest. We've seen that. We're seeing that being played out in our lifetime. Where the theologians a hundred years ago thought this would only happen in the thousand-year reign of Christ, the bringing back of Israel and the people of Israel. And look what the church is doing now. Some of the church. Some of the church are preaching this 
doctrine that is from the demons of replacement theology that God has bypassed and Israel. Israel. I'm not having. Hang on a sec, Mark. 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 Yeah, hang on. Yeah, just. I just. I'm not, it's really hard. But it, you know, this whole replacement theology. Was you tell that to when Jesus and, and the Lord comes back because he builds two Jerusalems. When he comes back, he will establish where his headquarters where in Jerusalem. And when heaven and earth come down, where God resides among his people from Jerusalem. It's a complete, I mean, tell me that. doesn't include the Jews. Are you crazy? Yeah, it's it's absolutely crazy. It's crazy. It's in the thousand year reign of Christ that we will come together as one. As one vine. Yeah, and we will come together. But folks, we're moving into a time now. Now, if we cannot speak the truth now, we will never be able to do it. We have got a freedom now to speak the truth like never before. And from this day on, I mark, you mark my words. What the Lord has been saying to me, it's going to quicken. You are very quickly going to be shut up. There is going to be an attempt because... Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I want to. I want to slow down, because then I spoke about the second time frame, which is the early birth pangs that I spoke from Matthew 24, where it talks about the six things of earthquakes and and all of these things and pestilence and disease and you know tsunamis and everything like that coming on the earth. Six things in Matthew 24. Read them. Study Matthew 24, because it's one of the longest chapters that Jesus speaks and teaches on a period of time, the longest. He never speaks about any other time period apart from our age in more detail the last seven years and the early birth pangs. We're in the early birth pangs. We're seeing tsunamis and earthquakes and all these things that he's speaking about. Famines, wars and rumors of war than we've ever seen before in the last hundred years. Ever. In, in, man, in the history of man. And I'm an historian. That's my second subject as a teacher. So I love history. I study history. And we've got rumors of war and war like we've never seen before. There is not a place on this earth that has got total peace. Total peace. Because you listen, the rumors of wars, it just isn't against nations, it's against ethnic color. And you look at the gangs that are around our streets, they're all against one neighborhood against another neighborhood. You know, the S6 boys against the. S whatever. You know, they're, they're, we've, we've, got, we've got war on our streets. And look at the police now saying that the second biggest police force in this country, the, East, the Midlands police force, are saying we can't cope. We can't cope. When you get burgled or you get robbed, we can't cope. There is something frightening about society. When, the, when just a couple of weeks ago, when the Lord is with me and I see all this happening on the streets and there's lawlessness, they know they can get away with it. They know they can. Motorbikes aren't going to stop when we put up our hand in the woods and say, stop in the name of Jesus. They're not going to do that. They just, as they normally do, tell you where to go and, because they can. They know they can get away with it. They know the police won't chase them if they haven't got helmets on. That's why a lot of them ride around without helmets. You've done that 60 years ago, the police would have said, I don't care whether you've got a helmet or not, you're coming in. Things have changed. 
we've become so soft. But what's it, but what's it doing? It's, it's absolutely getting us ready. It's, it's pitting us up against the wall for the next time frame. And the next time frame, do you want to know what it is? Can you remember? Because we're in, we're in the early birth pang. So as I said last week, there's an early birth pang, there's a middle, and there's an, there's an end to it. But the, the last, the, when, when the intense labor pains are so intense that they come every five seconds. Ooh, ooh, you, every lady has given birth, you will know about it. It's, it's incredible. You know, I, I'm amazed how women can go through that. I am ma- amazed that they even want to do it a second time. And sometimes a third. I'm amazed. I'm honestly amazed. I, uh, I have got such a high regard, and especially after seeing my wife go through it for, for, 39, for, 39, for 39 hours. But there's a birth at and the birthing is a baby. And it's the kingdom. It's the thousand-year reign of Christ that we're ushering in. This is what it is, but those intense labor pains are the last seven years. But it isn't the last seven years. It's not the last seven years. It's the last three and a half years. Because you're hearing me saying, it's going to get worse. Well, it is going to get worse. But look what Paul says. This is the third time frame. Paul says in... Well, let's go Haggai. Haggai 2, verse 6. Haggai 2, verse 6. Haggai sees all this time. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, once more, once more before what? His return. Once more, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry ground. I will shake all nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations. Who's who's the desire of all nations? Jesus. It's Jesus. He says, they will come to the desired one. Jesus. It's all about him. And I will fill the, this temple, this temple with my glory. It's the tabernacle. It's the tabernacle of God residing in a people. Do you understand that? God is going to tabernacle in you before he comes for you. It's the having the... Rest- well, it, it's... It's just amazing. And it goes on to say, the Lord says, of hosts says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. The glory of the latter temple shall be greater than the former. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Right? So the, 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 the latter shall be greater than the former. So when you have Peter going out with such boldness as in Acts 2, giving such an amazing uh, sermon to the very people that crucified Jesus and says to them, I will not shut up. I will sing this from the, the tops of your temple. But you crucified him. And he came and he gave them the whole gospel. And many get saved, 5,000 in one day. Wow, what happens if we out of the whole of Sheffield, 750,000, we see 500,000 come into the kingdom in one month because that can happen. Just believe that that can happen. Just believe that you walking into a supermarket under the presence and the power of God without having to preach one word, boom, and God is with you and everybody falls, saying, starts repenting, starts crying out for God. That's what happened in the Welch Revival. 
People were on trains. That's what happened with Maria Wooderetta. That's what happened with all these great men and women of God, these great people like Finney. You know, people would literally be on trains. They would be going from one area and they would cross a certain boundary and fall under the conviction of God. Fall under his conviction. And then you would have growing men and women of the worst kind crying out to be forgiven from God without being preached to. Charles Finney just had to look at them. He had the fear of the Lord. That was his amazing gifting. He had the fear of the Lord on him. Look into his eyes. But this is going to happen. This is going to happen once more. And I, I, heaven, I believe, speaks about weather patterns. I believe it's talking about earthquakes and the roaring of sea, which is tsunamis. It's just perfectly describing our time now. And then it says... And I believe that Luke 21 adds a little bit more detail to Matthew 24. It says in Luke 21, 25, it says, And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth the stress of nations, with perplexity, the seas and the waves roaring, man's heart failing them from fear, heart attacks on a huge scale. <gasps> Look what's happening. When they see a, a mountain of water coming towards them, a tsunami, they will perish with fear. And the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. This is coming. We haven't seen it, but it is coming. What happens when, when I had a little picture today of when we were doing the worship, how great it is, how, to, how you know, we're all together. But what happens if we're in a woods? And we've got to whisper it. And we've got to, because we can't do it in the open anymore. But what happens if this nation becomes a nation where it qualifies from goat to sheep, from sheep to prince, where when the greatest darkness is on this earth, the greatest darkness that it's ever seen, that we have a nation set apart for God's purposes. This is what we're after. This is what we're going for. This is what I believe the Lord is setting us up for. And if we have to go through a bit of judgment, if we have to go through a little bit of whatever to prepare a nation, then let's do it. Let's start praying it in. Lord, whatever you want, bring it in. But Lord, you love mercy than judgment. Lord, if you have to bring a little bit of judgment in, bring it in. But start with this house. Start with me, Lord. Start doing whatever you've got to do. So, so when you hit me, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for this. And look what happens next in Luke 21, verse 28. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up. Lift up your head because you're... Re- it's there. He's coming. Your redemption is near. Look up. He's coming. He's coming. This is what we've got to keep our eyes focused on. It's him. It's Jesus. Not what's happening around the earth, but him. Look where Stephen was getting stoned. He looks up and he sees him. You won't feel a thing. If you are called to be a martyr, you will not feel a thing. If you're called. What happens if your blood has been called as a necessary requirement for God's redemptive power to come on this earth for a city? It's sobering. It's sobering. But tell that to the Christians that have died in Iraq. Tell that to the Christians that have died in Syria and Iran. Because there's revival happening there. There's a move of God like never before. 
because they've seen the cruelty of Islam in all of its height. But it's going to get worse. Third time frame. This is a world peace counterfeit. Because as this world gets really, really worse and worse and worse, there is going to be a counterfeit peace. Because how do we know that? Paul says that. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 to 6. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly what, that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. When they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. They shall not escape. But you, brethren, us, we're not in darkness. We know what's coming. We're in the light. We're in his light. Know that in darkness, so that this day should not overtake you. This Paul might as well be writing to us today, these words. Don't be afraid. Don't let things in the circumstance of this world overtake you because God's with you. Paul is writing to us today these words. These words. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should not overtake you as a thief. For you are sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of night nor of darkness. Therefore, therefore, let us not sleep as others do. But let us watch and be sober. And that word watch means prayer. Let us be prayerful. Prayerful interceding, intercession, because sudden destruction is going to come. This is a third time frame, because we are going to see a peace, because there is going to be a man of all peace. He is going to arise. I believe that we're about to see Psalm 83, Zechariah 14, break out in the Middle East. I said this on the radio. On, uh, when I was interviewed about the blood moon on Tuesday, the blood moon, the 27th. By the way, 27 is a very powerful satanic number. It's three cubed. Three times three times three, 27. Three is a very satanic number. How many levels are there in the Masons? 33. 30 to 33. So 27 is a very, very... <laughs> but I'm, I'm not... It's very... Imp- 27 is an incredible important number. Yeah, but it's, it's very important. They have, like, what was... Can anyone remember Mickey Mouse Club? What was... Can you remember the Mickey Mouse Club in the 1960s and 70s? What is the number of the Mickey Mouse Club? I'm sure it's 27. The Mickey Mouse Club. It had a number. Was it not... I thought it was related to Mason. Yeah, I... I'm, I... Yeah, anyway. It's the blood moon. It's talking about the blood moons. Yeah, we just read that in Luke 21. When you see these signs happening. And there are so many signs now happening around the world that they're all lined up. Not just one, but a series of signs. That if you have got a prophetic inkling in you, you'll see and recognize these signs. They're coming. Because it then goes to say in Ezekiel 38, because I'm, I'm telling you, Psalm 83 is about to play out. About to play out. I've spoken about Psalm 83. It's the surrounding areas of all what's happening in Israel. It's all their their foes. It's all their immediate enemies. Look what is happening in the Gaza Strip as we speak. Look what's happening there now. It's It's ripe for war. Israel have mobilized their army. 
They are saying, guys, get ready, we're going in. Something is of a foot that is going to pick up such an acceleration it's going to take most people by surprise. There is going to be a war, I believe, I believe, of Psalm 83 breaking out because of what Ezekiel 38 says. It says in Ezekiel 38, verse 11, I will go up against a land of unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely. All of them dwelling with our walls, neither with bars nor gates. It's describing Israel. You can't go through Israel without going through some checkpoint. You can't go through Israel unless you have been searched to go to the Great Wall. They've got, they've got it all. There isn't peace in Israel. There is no peace. But Ezekiel is seeing a time of peace that Paul is describing in 1 Thessalonians. That then people are saying, peace and safety, then sudden destruction will happen. Do you understand this? So what makes this sudden peace? Well, this is what I think is going to happen. I think now the Antichrist will, will, he is at the epicenter of everything bad that is happening around this world. And things are going to go for a little short time really rough. And we're going to see it. Brexit. You know, it's going to get rougher. You know, we've got a land divided over this one issue. You've got a government decided, divided over this one issue of Brexit. You've got people now being locked up into jail for speaking the truth of the gospel. Locked up. You've got teachers now being told they can no longer have a a job in that school because a student asked them what they believed in as a Christian. And, well, this was not done with a great deal of... uh, Yeah, anyway. But we're seeing that these people are being discriminated now against. And people that we know in this country being locked up with an unfair trial. And this is all preparation, but we've got to be prepared to speak the truth. In love. In love. <sighs> but you see, what is coming is this. A guy is setting up a time when there's going to be great turmoil on the earth, and then suddenly he comes in and he puts oil on that turmoil. And there is going to be such peace like we have never, ever known before in human history. There is going to be, he is going to be the answer to all of the world's problems. And the world is going to adore him. Listen, the Jews are going to adore him. The Muslims are going to adore him. The counterfeit church is going to adore him. It is setting up a time where he brings such peace and safety like never before. We will not have to go through machines in case there's a bomb. That will all be done away with to go on an aircraft. Because there is such peace and safety on the earth. But guess what, folks? They're all lies and they're only temporary. Because Paul says sudden destruction will come on the earth. And that's talking about the last three and a half years. Great tribulations. The the judgment of God and the wrath of God will be about to be poured out onto the world that has chosen to adore him. To adore adore the Antichrist. Because the Antichrist is about to... You're going to see him rise onto a political spectrum 
And you're going to say he is not who he says he is. He is not. He is a liar. He is deceiving. And they're going to say to you, look at the peace and safety we got. Are you mad? You bigoted Christians. You're just like this. You're always being put in the downside and things. But we're going to have to get up and say, he is not who he says he is. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He wants to bring war. He wants to bring destruction. And they're going to shout you down. They're going to go after you. And they're going to hate you. So if you are a little bit put off by what man or woman say to you now, oh my word, get rid of it. Get the fear of man off you. Get the fear of woman off you. Get the fear out of you. Because you're going to have to stand up and say he is not who he says he is and be hated for it. That's what the Bible says. Jesus says they will hate you because of this. They will divide families up. Mothers will be, will be given over and, and betrayed by their children. Children will be given over by betraying by their parents. This is coming. And this is just the third time frame. When there is peace and safety. You're about to see a time of great turbulence coming across the earth. But you're also about to see after that a time of peace and safety. The United Nations are going to welcome this man. It's all being set up for him. Because everything that's happening on the earth now, the Antichrist is at the, really at the epicenter of everything that's happening. He's going to bring about climate change. He's going to say, don't do this. But I'll tell you one thing he will do. He will allow the Jews to build a third temple. And the Muslims will go, oh, that's all right. Yeah, if he says it's all right, we're, we're happy with that. I believe that the Antichrist will do what we've always known, is that that's not where the temple was built. That's not where it is now. They will find out that they can build it there and it won't touch the mosque. The third most precious thing only because the Jews had it first. But that's a different story. But they're going to be allowed to build a temple. But it won't be the Lord's temple. It'll be the Antichrist's temple. And he will allow it because guess what happens? Guess what happens? And this is the fourth one. This is the fourth time frame. Therefore... We see this in, it's, it's, it's the, the Olivia, I think it's called the Olivia, the Oliver, Olivia? Oliver, it's where three, the three chapters are all talking about the same things. The Oliver Discourse, it's called that where Matthew, Luke and uh, Mark all talk about the same thing and they've named it called the Oliver Discourse and it says, they, they say the same thing. So it says in Matthew 24 verse 15, it also says it in Mark 13, it says it in Luke 17, 23, it says, in it, you know, it, so this is, they're all pointing to one thing. All the three Gospels are pointing to one thing. Why? So that we get it. Get it. <laughs> totally and utterly get it. And he, he speaks, Jesus uses Daniel. Daniel 9, to speak out of. And he goes, therefore, this is Jesus, when you, in uh, Matthew 24, verse 15, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the prophet, standing in the holy place. What is the holy place? It's the temple. When you see the man standing there, declaring peace and safety and all the rest of it, he is going to do, in the holy place, cause the abomination that is desolation, this speaks out of Daniel. Because Daniel and Daniel 9 is speaking about a man called Antiochus Epiphanes, 
who was an offshoot of Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great's kingdom was divided between four generals. And the general had this area, another general had that, another general had that, another general had that. Antiochus had the, the area of Syria, a bit of Egypt, but mostly Syria, and a bit of Iraq as we know it. The Jews at that time, this is the religious leaders. Now listen to me. This is the religious leaders. They are saying, we want to adopt the Greek way of doing things. We want to not just adopt the Greek way of doing it, we want to adopt their traditions and we want to adopt their religion. They were building up temples for, uh, um, to worship Apollo. And then they said, we need a man that will lead us in this. These are the religious leaders. They had turned away from the ordinance of God, just like we're seeing in Isaiah um, 24. They turned away from his laws. They turned away from every part of it. They set up a false religion, and they asked a man to come and help them do it, called Antiochus Epiphanes. And Antiochus Epiphanes walks into Jerusalem with all these religious leaders, and then he does something that is the abomination that causes desolation. He makes a big pork stew in the Holy of Holies, goes in there, and he sprinkles it around the walls. Could you imagine that, what that would have done to the Jews of that, of that, where the Holy of Holies, the most sacred place, where the place where God is meant to reside? And he goes in there and he just smashes it. Causes, you know, this desolation. The people went, and then more importantly, he turns on the people. He turns on the people and he says, you follow me. Not only will you follow me, he makes a statue of Apollo and puts his head on it. Who else has done that? Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, you will worship me. He stopped them having circumcisions. He stopped them practicing their, fest, their, their feasts. He stopped every part of their religious practice. And he says, now you will worship me. And a remnant company of people called the Maccabees got Daniel's verse of Daniel 11, verse 32. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Because God, in the darkest time of that day, had a remnant company of people that stood up to this man. And do you know who they went for first? Do you know who they started assassinating the Maccabees, which was the smallest group? They were the unknowns, the smallest tribe. They started going after the religious leaders because they had compromised. Because the church of that day had compromised to the things and the ordinance and the laws of God and especially the covenant that God had made with Israel. And these people rose up against the mighty power. It's like rising up against Russia or America. That's what it was. That's what Antiochus Epiphanes, he had a huge army. And they started creating guerrilla warfare. They never took them on in battle, and they started winning. And guess who the, how they started winning? Hearts and minds of the people to change and to turn around and come back to the one God to worship him. What's our weapon, Shotzi? Prayer. Prayer. <laughs> but then Daniel describes this. He says, and he's just, what Daniel is describing is exactly what happened with Antiochus Epiphanes. But Daniel says, when, when, the, when he says, what do I do with this book? The Lord says to him, seal up, Daniel, because it's not for you. It's for a generation yet to come. It's for our generation. But look at what he says. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many... For one week. Now, 
The Hebrew tradition of one week could either mean seven days or seven years. When somebody said, oh, I'll see you in one week, they would say, is that in seven years' time or in seven days? Do you understand that? So Daniel is using this terminology for a week. But we know one day with the Lord is like a thousand. Right? So there is not just one set of time frame. But what Daniel is talking about, one week is seven years. He's using the seven years. He says, when this man confirms a covenant with many for one week. What's the covenant that the Antichrist is going to confirm? Peace. Peace and safety. That is what he's going to confirm. That's what he's going to do. On all of his conditions, he's going to get all the the governments to sign this peace treaty. And then he's going to put his own signature to it. But then look what he does. Paul describes this. This is the fourth time frame. Then he, but in the middle of the week, in three and after three and a half years, in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifices and offerings, and on the wing of abominations shall be the one who makes desolate. So the Antichrist will then turn around. And he will say after three and a half years of peace and safety around this earth, like we've never seen before, where we will be hated because we will be saying this remnant company will be saying he is not who he says he is. He is a, he is a counterfeit. There is a counterfeit peace. He's a man of war. He's a man of opposition. And they're going to hate you, hate you for it. Jesus says they're going to put you in prison for it. They're going to kill you for it. They're going to kill you for standing on the truth of what God is saying. And he says, this man will come and make a peace between the Jews and the Muslims. We'll see the temple. But after three and a half years, he's going to stop it all. And I believe this is when he says, do you know what? Guys, Israel, I hate you. I hate you with a passion. I've done all of this because I hate you so much. And he's going to invite all of those people around Israel to turn on them. See a Jew behind the tree. Kill him. There's one behind the bush. Kill him. It's sobering. And then he comes after us. He comes after us with the same passion of hatred that he has for the Jews. He's going to come after the true church like never before. But God will have his Maccabees in place. God will have his remnant company of people that when this earth becomes the darkest, we become light and full of love and full of Jesus like the world has never seen, never seen before. How do we know? But what are they going to do? They're going to go after Israel. After many days, this is Ezekiel 38, in the latter years you will come into a land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mount, to the mountains of Israel which have been long been desolate. This is the calling of the nation of Israel back into its land. And this is what Ezekiel says. They were brought out of all the nations, and now all of them dwell, dwell safely. So Ezekiel is saying there's going to be a time of safety. There's going to be a time of peace. And then Ezekiel 38.10 Thus says the Lord of God, on that day it shall come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind that you will make an evil plan. He's talking about the Antichrist. What's the evil plan? The evil plan is simply to make war, to make war against Israel. So now we have seen the Antichrist as a political figure come onto the scene. Now he's going to be a military genius, 
a huge military genius. Ezekiel 38, verse 11. You will say, I will go up against the land of the unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. Why? He goes there to plunder and to kill. He goes in Ezekiel 38, verse 12. To take plunder and to take booty, to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited and against a people gathered from all the nations who have acquired livestock and goods, who dwell in the midst of the land. Isaiah also sees this in Isaiah 28, verse 14. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men, who rule this people who are in Jerusalem. Verse 15, because you have said, we will have made a covenant with death and with shall we on agreement. When the ever-flowing scourge passes through, it will not come to us. For we have made lies our refuge and under falsehoods we have hidden. In other words, the people of Israel are saying, oh my word, we've made a, we've made a peace with this guy. We've, we've, we've been fooled. We've been completely... And all it's going to do is going to bring us death and destruction. That's what has been said there. We've been fooled, guys. We have been turned over. And oh my word, death is coming to us. Death is coming to us. We're going to see this where the Antichrist and the Muslim nations will go against a common enemy. And that enemy is going to be Israel and the church. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. But I want to say to you, folks, God has his people. And I believe that this nation is on the brink of being one of these people. Because if people say to me, oh, but we're going to be raptured out of it. We're going to be taken out of it. I've got a thing for you. Explain these scriptures, please. If you have, honestly, because not one person has the revelation. If you have a revelation on this, where God is not talking about us, then I'd like to know who he's talking about. Right? You ready? Revelation 12. I'm with it. You've heard me say this before, Revelation 12, but I, I, I think that, that some Christians... And that mean this horribly are they don't know the word. They, they, they haven't studied the word for themselves. They've gone on to ministries and men and women who are great ministries, but they've never studied it for themselves and they've never made up their own minds about what's coming. Whereas there's no excuse with you guys, because I keep saying to you, you do the studying. You do the studying. Because in, in, in Revelation 12, it talks about a man-child. Now, I, every theologian or every great man that I've ever listened to or ever read up, they've always said that man-child is Jesus. It can't be Jesus. Yeah. It can't be Jesus. Because John has say, said, he's in, in, in Revelation 4, it says, John... Come up here, because John says, I see an open, open door in heaven. I hear a voice saying, come up here, John. Come up here, because I want to show you things yet to come. Yet to come. And after chapter 4 of Revelations, it stops talking about the church, and it always talks about a people from that minute on. But John has been showing things yet to come. John sees the last seven years. So chapter 12 of Revelation is not speaking about the man-child being Jesus. The man-child has been birthed. 
And I believe what of September 23rd of 2016, 17, sorry, last year, 2017, I believe that birth has already started. I believe the birthing of a man-child has already started. What happens to that man-child? It gets caught up to heaven. Where do we see them again? Revelation 14. I've written this in the article for Neville, and Neville said, can you please remove that? Not that we don't agree with it, because the church isn't ready for it. It's so controversial. But I'm just, I'll give it to you guys, because it's meat. Revelation 14. They... They appear on the scene singing a new song. Where they heard that new song? <gasps> In heaven. What do they do? They follow the Lamb wherever He goes. We follow Jesus. We're in love with Jesus. This is the man child that has been birthed in your. You are part of that man child. It's a body of people. Because in Revelation 12, look what it goes on to say. Now, it talks about the woman who has given birth to the man child. She, the devil, the, 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 the red dragon, goes after her, spews out water, the earth opens up, the water is poured in, and she gets put into places prepared for her for how long? What does it say in your word? Revelation 12. How long is she put into that place? 1,260 days. It cannot be Israel. Cannot. Because it's, well, what's 1,260 days? Daniel tells us. It's the last three and a half years. It's the times, time, and time and half a time. It's three and a half years that the woman, the true church, that is giving birth to, God is giving birth to now, will have places prepared for her. And they feed her. Who is the they? It's the man-child that comes and prepares her. What for? For a marriage. It's for a marriage. It's for a marriage that we are the friends of the bridegroom. We come back and we prepare the bride for the marriage feast. Now that is so controversial. So controversial. Because it's saying, oh, you're elite. Yes! I am elite. I'm his. So therefore I am elite. He has paid for me by his blood. I'm elite. I am clean. I am made righteous. I am pure. And I, because I'm his, of course I'm elite. I'm his. And that's the way that we've got to see it. We can't see it through our eyes. We've got to see it through his. And the Bible says that I am the apple of his eye. I am the apple. Of course I'm unique. I'm made in his image. I get excited. I get excited because it's the truth. Right. But now, third part. And I'm. Yeah. Yep. So here we go. Here we go. Chapter 12. And we go through. Then the earth helped in 16. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened up its mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon has spewed out of his mouth. Chapter, verse 17. Explain this to me, please. Explain this to me. If I'm not, if I'm not speaking the truth, then I'm in complete, I'm being deceived. So there's only two, one of two things. I'm completely being deceived and I need correcting. Please, if I am being deceived, correct me. 
But it says this in verse 17. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. (gasps) Oh, hang on a sec. I've been raptured out of it. No, you haven't. Because who's he going to make war with? If you're not here, who's he going to make war with? You see how Paul is saying, peace and safety, then sudden destruction. And when the sudden destruction, when the guillotines are brought out, and the mass, because this is what's going to happen, is being prepared for. Do you know, you're going to see this before your eyes. A thousand may fall on my left, a ten thousand on my right, but it will not touch my house. Why? Because we're in love with him. We're in love with him. We're in love with Jesus. And he, he is giving us eyes to see. I pray down there when I, when, during the worship. I'm saying, please, Lord, please, please let them see the time frames they're in and what is coming so we can be prepared. Because we've got to be prepared for these last three and a half years. And I believe we're moving into it. Hang on a sec. I, I believe we're moving into it. I believe we're going to be into this a lot quicker than most people think. I might be 70 when it happens. I don't know. I do not know. But I tell you, I recognise the times and seasons that we're in. This could happen in the next 10 years. This, we could be in the last three and a half years, in the, last, in the next four years. I don't know. But what happens if it does happen in the next four years? What are we going to do? Have we prepared our house? Both spiritually prepared our house? To go through all this. But we're not going to go through it. We're going to be the answer to it. It's Christ in us to hope of glory. We are the answer to these problems. You and me. So let's get on our knees and pray and cry out for God to have mercy upon this nation. To have absolute mercy where we humble his people. When my people cry out and humble themselves. Then I will come and listen to them. And then when I hear their prayers, I will heal their land. Now that is either the, the word of God or it isn't. That's either a lie or it's the truth. I believe we're about to go into this. This year. I believe that we are a body of people that are crying out, Lord have mercy upon us. Yeah. Right, there are voices across this nation. Right away across this nation from Scotland, Ireland, Wales and England. That are crying out for this. Crying out for this. What about if it's us that will see the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lifetime? It's exciting. It's exciting that we will not be singed. When they brought Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego out of the fire, they didn't even smell of the smoke. And what happened to the chains? They just disappeared. Disappeared. That's the prophetic sign of us. I have preached and preached and preached and preached and preached about his special ones. His special ones. And there are constant references to his special ones in the word. Look at it. Titus. It just right the way through. His special ones. Hebrews. His special ones. His special ones who have not compromised. That have kept the oil in their lamp of a passion for Jesus. For him. It's simple, isn't it?